Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's unpredictable. He's relentless. He's fearless. He's smart. He's a jerk. Oh, man, what a jerk. How would you describe Kirk Minahan? He's talented. He's blunt. He's complicated. He's the fakest tough guy I know. He's honest. A self-proclaimed weenie. He's angry. He's actually a good guy. He's a psycho big mouth prick. I wish we had more Kirk Minahans. How would you describe Kirk Minahan? Combustible. Unpredictable. Venomous. Chesty. Obnoxious. Selfish. Polarizing. Pompous. Enough about me. Let's get to the show. It's Kirk Minahan's Enough About Me. You know, I guess the greatness of Tom Brady has lessened what Drew Bledsoe was. And Bledsoe, I think, is the athlete in Boston who was the closest to greatness without ever really getting it. But for four or five years, he was a damn good quarterback. He was the first franchise quarterback the Patriots really ever had. And if you're a Patriots fan like I was growing up, when Drew Bledsoe showed up, he changed everything. Got a chance to talk to Bledsoe here for about 40, 45 minutes. And we talked about everything. Belichick, Parcells, Brady, a lot of good stuff here from Drew Bledsoe. So I thought of you when, when the draft was going on, and they show you in some highlights you know, a few times during it as a former number one pick. What was the process after you left school before you were drafted by the Patriots? How far in advance did you know that Parcells was going to take you? You know, we thought he was, but he played, he played his cards really tight to the vest. You know, he didn't know if he was going to take me or if he was going to take Rick Meyer. You know, we, we felt like he was, but, you know, usually, at least especially in that day, if you were going to be the number one overall pick, they would have the contract all negotiated and everything done prior to the draft, and and, and uh, Parcells wouldn't he wouldn't do that. So we didn't we didn't know for sure until they actually said my name that, w- that I was going to go first. So you that's like legitimate. The afternoon, the night of the draft, when the first pick came up, you didn't know if it was going to be you. Well, we, we thought it was, right. but we didn't know for sure. They hadn't they hadn't come out and said, "Hey, yeah. we're taking you." Um, you know, so yeah, we we thought that was going to happen, but we weren't one hundred percent positive. How was your dealings with Parcells leading into that? I only met him one time. I met him at the, at the combine, uh, and uh, uh, met him in a hotel room. Went up and to just do kind of a one on one interview, and and uh, yeah, it's pretty intimidating as a twenty year old kid. You know, you walk in there and you got this, this uh, kind of Godfather type from Jersey, <laughs> you know, in the hotel room, and you're a small town kid out of out of you know Walla Walla Washington and <laughs> he got to go sit down with this guy. Uh it was a little intimidating, but it was I think it was a good meeting and uh, obviously uh, he must have thought it was also cuz he went ahead and pulled the trigger. I mean, you guys had a, a lot of history together in two different places. When you look at it now and it's whatever 22 years later, how do you look at your relationship overall with Parcells? I mean, do you like him today? If you if you run into him today somewhere, is it a good relationship? Uh, you know, honestly, I haven't seen I haven't seen him or talked to him since I retired from the Cowboys. So you haven't talked to him in and, ten years. Yeah, yeah, no, haven't 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 seen him, haven't talked to him. Um, so you know, it, it's yeah, it's it's you know, those relationships are always you know they're 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 not always you know warm warm and fuzzy, and that wasn't it wasn't warm and fuzzy with uh, with Bill. But I'm I'm glad I got to glad I got a chance to play for him, particularly when I was a young player. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, you know when. 
you know the end of the end of the deal down there in in, uh, in Dallas wasn't uh, it wasn't super friendly. Yeah, so it ended, and obviously Romo came in. You know, you got they they pulled you. You yeah. you sat for Romo, and then from that point on, it was pretty much done with Parcells. Uh, yeah, we did. We at that point we uh, you know we we uh, you know we, it was a professional relationship, but. Uh, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't reached out to me since uh, since that point, and, and I haven't needed to reach out to him. How about your relationship with Belichick? I mean, I know it sort of ended the same way, and it's been you know a long time as well. You've known him for a long time too, and you, you're more involved, obviously, with the Patriots today than you would be, say, with Dallas or with Parcells. How's your relationship with Belichick? You know, it's it's interesting. You know, Belichick, um, and and I, you know. He's a, he's such an interesting guy because when you when it's when you when you work for him, it is it is all business and everybody knows that. I mean, there's no warm and fuzzy. There's no, you know, there's no small talk. There's none of that. But um, but you know, since I retired, I've been back there a couple of times just for wine deals or to, you know, come to a game. And and uh, and he's an entirely different guy when it's when it's not a business relationship. You know, he smiles and he's engaging and interesting. And um, you know, he uh, you know I came back and did a. Uh, a wine presentation at uh, at uh, um, the, the wine shop there at the stadium, and he mm-hmm. came over for that and hung out, and, and we talked for a while afterwards. And, and uh, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's actually a, a, a pretty decent, pretty friendly relationship. Did you push? Uh, were you a voice in bringing in Belichick after Carol? Was that somebody that you wanted to come in here? At that point, did you have that sort of you know say, or, or would you would you speak up in that situation? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm obviously not making those decisions. Right. But I was in favor. I was in favor of that as much as anything, as I just didn't want to compete against the guy anymore. Uh, you know, right. I didn't. I, uh, um, you know, didn't want to. Uh, yeah, just didn't want to play against him. He was such a pain in the butt, and, and uh, as a defensive coordinator, and um, and you know, obviously, um, you know, Mr. Kraft felt the same way, and and um, brought him in, and obviously, he's he's gone on to be probably the greatest coach that's ever coached you know we'll get back to Belichick uh, maybe in a minute or two but you know people talk about Gronkowski all the time and he's great I mean there's definitely a chance he could go down as the greatest tight end of all time but I do feel like people around here I grew up here you know I've watched all these games I do feel like people forget how great Ben Coates was and it was a short time there's no doubt but for a three or four year stretch he was as good as any tight end who ever played he was, and he he broke the mold a little bit. There weren't a lot of guys. Now it seems like everybody's got a a, a big time tight end, but there were not a lot of guys um, in in that era um, that were doing what Ben was doing. Um, you know, Sharp in in, in Denver. Um, you know, he was he was catching a lot of balls, but he was more just a receiver. Ben was actually a true tight end where he was blocking in the running game, uh, and then was just a deadly weapon in the passing game. You know, he wasn't a giant guy. He wasn't big like uh, like Gronk. I mean, I think Ben was like six four, probably two fifty. Uh, but he played giant. I mean, he 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 could catch anything. He could run over safeties, and then if he got free, he was as fast as anybody on the field. Um, you know, just was it was a game breaker. Uh, so he was pretty special. And as a young quarterback, having a tight end uh, like that that was so reliable and that. Uh, you could throw the ball to even when he was covered, and he would he would catch it. Uh, was was a great uh, security blanket. I remember there was there was actually was a time uh, there was one play that we had, and 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 we would run it, and we were it was, it was very effective. And Parcells was saying to uh, Ray Perkins, he's like, well, don't call that. All he's going to do is throw it to Coates. And I looked at him, and I was like, well, 
he always catches it. So why why wouldn't why wouldn't I throw it to him? You know, it it always it always works. And and uh, and Ben he was just he was just great from that standpoint. If there was if there was uh, uh, you know nothing else that that we could find to work that was working, um, I'd just throw it at Ben and we'd get the offense moving. I mean, it's and it's a lot different today than even when you were playing. And I mean, you were always you know a, a hot button guy in Boston and radio and in print because you know you're the quarterback. And if you struggle, they kill you. If you play well, they love you. But it's even more intense now. But you know, looking back at it, say ten, fifteen years ago, did you like dealing with the Boston media? Did you not like it? Did you find it different in other markets? Was it more intense, less intense? I mean, you played in whatever three different markets. How did it match up? You know, uh, it, w- it was different, certainly at first. You know, a small-town kid from, you know, I was used to being covered by, by one newspaper. And, right. And, and out west, you know, they might try to get after you, but it's, you know, it's, it's never going to have the kind of that, that same tone. Uh, but but to be honest with you, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was, you know, it was, they don't, don't get after you, and, and, and I knew that was the case. I remember uh, um, after we played the Steelers my rookie year, and I threw five picks, um, I went and grabbed the papers because I just wanted to see how bad it could get, and I think one of the one of the writers I don't remember who it was, but one of the writers said it was the worst performance by a quarterback in the history of the New England Patriots. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, well, good. We can only get better from here, um, you know. But that was that's that's part of the job, and 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 uh, um, when you play in in Boston, you know that uh, that that sports is more serious than it is most other places, and and. And so I understood that, and, and and you know embraced that challenge, and and um, uh, you know and uh, became part of it. So I didn't I didn't not like it. I just knew that it was part of the job. But comparing Boston to the other markets, it's it's you know I went from there to to Buffalo. Well, I guess Buffalo, Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo wouldn't work as a comparison, right? No, not really. You know, but Buffalo. I tell people playing 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 football in Buffalo is like playing pro ball in a college town. Um, you know, the fans were great. They were very loyal to you, but it wasn't didn't have the same edge uh, to it as uh, as you know as a as a place like uh, uh, like Boston. And then then you get to Dallas, and and in, in Dallas, you know, I've, I've, you play quarterback for the Cowboys. Uh, it's like pitching for the Yankees. You know, you, there's there's that's uh, everybody loves you or they hate you. Um, and uh, and the, the media down there, um, you know, the one thing uh, that, that I think that they had in common with the Boston media is they really feel like they know more than other fans, uh, and the, the sports writers feel like they're you know because they're in Dallas that they uh, that they know more than, uh, than than other sports writers do, which is uh, you know which is kind of interesting because you know obviously they don't, but but uh, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, it was, it was different. Football's football's number one. Uh, you know, in, in Texas and and you know when I got to uh, New England, you know, football was was probably number four. And then we you know had an amazing run of, of or a good run of success and got all the way up to number two behind the Red Sox. Uh, but when you're in when you're in Texas, football's religion, and and uh, so they they that that puts you at the top of uh, of the sports page all the time. Well, you know, I think you're underselling it, to be honest with you. Because, you I mean, I'd say the average listener of this podcast, the ones we've done so far, are like 25, right? Maybe late 20s. I'm 41. I grew up here. Like, when you say you, your Patriots are number four, you're right. But they were such a distant number four. I would go to games at the old stadium. And I would go, you know, in high school, a bunch of my buddies and I would go and watch a game. The, year, the years before you got there. You know the years with uh, McPherson or whatever, and we go and and to be humiliated, be playing quarterback, Tommy Hodson, 
There'd be 9,000 people in the stadium. You'd start up top at halftime, then let you come down. You'd be three or four rows, you know, away from midfield. I watched Zolak win a couple of games in front of nobody. You came here. Parcells came here. You guys might not have won the Super Bowl, but everything changed. And you went from four, which is probably right, to two in about a second. And I would argue, even when you were still here, say the Super Bowl year, even that first 10 and six year, I think you guys went from four to number one, to be honest with you, even ahead of the Red Sox. I think it changed the game completely. Well, I, yeah, I know we we at least got into the conversation, you know. But one thing you do learn when you when you when you come to Boston is that the the you know that that you know uh, the other sports are, are sports, but but the Red Sox that's that's church, you know. You know going yeah. to Fenway is going to church if you're from Boston, and and uh, so I don't know if you if uh, if the Patriots ever even even now. Well, now and now I think it's I think given the last especially the last like year and a half with all the insanity, I think now it's the game has totally changed. What is your take on that? Now you've obviously been paying attention to it—the whole deflate yeah, thing. Yeah, the whole thing. What was your what, so? Crazy. What was your what was your pregame preparation with footballs? Yeah, with footballs, all we would do on a Saturday if we had a Sunday game on Saturday, um, we'd go out for walkthrough, and then I'd get with uh, with Donnie Brochure, John uh, Johnny Rotten, Johnny Hildebrand, and we'd we'd uh, uh, we'd we'd get the bag of footballs out, and and I would grab them, and I each one I'd grab I'd grab each football, and like oh that one feels good. Uh, don't like that one. That one feels good. And the, the ones that I liked would go into the uh, go into the good bag, and the ones I didn't would get tossed, or or they or they rework them some more. Um, but I never, you know, I never even knew what the PSI of a football was. I just knew what it felt, what felt right. And um, you know, to me, it was far more important that the balls were broken in than it was how they were inflated. You know, one thing I, I was I actually was talking with my brother just yesterday. One thing I've noticed um, in. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, watching these guys on the field now is that the footballs that they're throwing to the quarterbacks—they're almost like black. They're—they're they're so broken in and worked in. Um, and to me, that was far more important than, uh, um, you know, than how inflated the ball was. That never really even entered the conversation. So, you know, and because of that, this—this this whole deal, this whole thing—it it just the fact that it's, you know, risen to the legal level that it's risen to, and. You know, the next step, I think, is the Supreme Court. There's a chance. So if this, right, the Second Circuit doesn't agree to do the thing and this on bonk thing, potentially with 13 judges, but you're right, there's a chance that the deflation of footballs or not is going to be in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah, it just, it is so ridiculous, you know, to me, and has zero impact on the game. Um, and I just, I don't know, man. The whole thing just drives me crazy. Did you ever, you said you didn't know the PSI, but was, was the term PSI ever discussed in your life in the football game? In, no, in the preparation no, no. leading into a game around yeah. the field ever? No, never. I, you know, and I, I just, you know, I just kind of assumed that, um, you know, the referees would grab the footballs and oh yeah, that feels like a football. The only thing I ever did here was that they, I, I know that they would check to make sure that that uh, the kicking balls weren't overinflated. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did know that they would check that, and that would that to me was the only the only thing that I ever was aware of that they would check because the kickers wanted the balls you know overstuffed so that they could kick them farther. Um, but you know, outside of that, no, it was just it was never a thing. It just never ever happened. When did you start? Figuring it out as a starting NFL quarterback. The first year, obviously, you struggled for a while. You were out for a little bit, and Seacules was in. Then you won your last four games. You had that game at Miami 10 the regular season. Then you started the next season. You had that shootout with Marino. Was it about then that you started figuring it out, or was it the Minnesota game the second year? When did you say, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I've kind of 
got you know got my got my uh, figured it out. I know what I'm doing as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's a progression. I continue to learn for a number of years, but but certainly the jump from rookie year to second year um, in terms of how comfortable you are and, and how well you know things um, was a pretty pretty dramatic jump. That was the biggest jump, and you know in that progression, and then from there on. Um, you know, it, it uh, you know, I continued to learn and continued to, to get better, you know, all the way through the, through the end of my career. Um, you know, but I, I did get to a point, um, and I remember, um, when, when I was, the year that I was hurt, when, uh, um, you know, when Tommy came in, um, at the end, I would, I would sit with Damon Heward and, and as we were preparing for the, for the games and, and, you know, Damon, I remember he would ask me, he's like, all right, well, how's, how's this game going to go? And I could break it down for him to to the nth degree as to exactly how the game was going to go and what was going to decide the game. And so I got to a point where, uh, particularly when I was you know, not on the field, but when I was watching, I could tell you exactly which matchup was going to determine the outcome of the game um, and how the flow of the game was going to go based on that matchup. Um, so I did get to the point where I could understand the game very, very completely and to be honest with you toward the end of my career um that was one of the things that 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 made it easier to make the decision to retire was um you know it wasn't uh it wasn't quite the same challenge at that point and i was really looking forward to a new challenge um you know intellectually um you know i got to the point where i knew you know look i knew if if if, uh you know if my guys did their job um that i was going to execute my part of it um at a very high level of precision, um, but I was also at the mercy of the guys around me because I wasn't going to go run around and create stuff. How is your uh, how's your head now? How's your brain? How, how do you how do you? you I mean, you know, you, I mean, you took a, you took a hell. You were a tough quarterback, man. You took a hell of a beating for a yeah. long time. To your credit, I, I mean, how many how many concussions did you say you've had? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's probably a couple a year. You know, but but at that point, you know, you just you know then then you just you got dinged and you just. You, know, you just you just kept playing. That, that's what it was. And I, you know, I had a, an interesting deal that happened um, about once a year my entire career, where if I got hit in the back of the head, I would I would lose peripheral vision out of the left side of my head. And so so I'd go back on the field, and if I was looking f- straight forward, I couldn't see the entire left side of the field. Now, is there um, is there a part of you at that point where you're thinking, you know, I probably shouldn't be out in the field. This isn't this isn't yeah, a smart. Or do you just say, well, or do you just say, fuck it, I got to do it. It's part of the job. You know, I uh, what I would do is I would uh, we we had a plan, and I would tell whatever coordinator that I that I had, and I had I had eight coordinators my last uh, ten years, and so this had to kind of I, I had to you know, stretch that out. With you know, I had to, each each coordinator, I had to tell them, hey, this is probably going to happen um, at some point this season, and what we have to do, number one, let's run the ball, but number two, you need to call pass plays to the left. Because if I'm looking left, then I can peripherally, peripherally, peripherally see the the, uh, the rest of the field to the right. But if I'm looking to the right now, I can't see three quarters of the field. Um, and so we would we would call things where I was looking to the left, so I could see uh, what was going on on the right. Um, how long and, would this last? Uh, how long would this last for? It, 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 it lasted about 20 minutes. Jesus. Um, and uh, and you know, so a series, maybe two, and then it would come back. You know, so I you know I, I had I had those kinds of things that went on. Um, but you know, all things considered, I, I feel pretty, pretty good every day. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, um, you know, I don't have any so far anyway. I don't have any um, any ill effects from 
from the hits and and uh, uh it was it was funny though i took one of one of my my one of my sons got got whacked on the lacrosse field and and had to take him in to uh to to get him cleared to go back on the field and so i'm talking to this uh, neurologist and uh, he's checking checking Stu out and kind of giving him the whole protocol you know you got to sit for a few weeks and come back and see me and the whole deal and he looks at me he goes how are you doing and i'm like oh, you know, i'm good he goes, well, how old are you? Uh, I think at that point I was 42. I said, yeah, I'm 42. He goes, oh, well, you know, the symptoms don't really kick in until 45. Oh, fantastic. And I was like, oh, okay, great. great. I've, got, I've got three years and then I'm drooling in a cup. But, I mean, does uh, that, I mean, you know, you, you obviously you got out, you made a lot of money, you've been really successful sure. with the wine business. Is there part of you, though, that when you think about it, and you see, I mean, listen, you play with Kevin Turner, you've, you've seen these guys, sure. not that's going to happen, but is a part of you that is scared about what could be happening 15, 20 years from now? You know, I, it, yeah, but you know, I can't can't control it, and and uh, um, you know, I do, um, you know, the, I do I do do everything that I that I can to 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 kind of make sure that I'm that I'm uh, staying as healthy as I can. I think that's one thing that um, you know that that uh, seems like common sense, but um, but I think is really true. You know, you, if you, you you know stay healthy and eat right and exercise, and then you keep your brain active. Um, you know, I, I think that just regardless of whether you're, you know, playing football or just living your life, if you if you continually challenge yourself and and, uh, and you're always learning, um, you know, I think you give yourself a better chance that your that your brain's going to function well uh, for longer. Um, so, you know, I I, I I I worry about it, but I don't I don't uh, I don't it doesn't keep me up at night. Um, you know, and and so far so good. You know, I I forget where my keys are. You know can't come up with somebody's name from time to time but i think that has more yeah, to do with so the why that, than, yeah, that happens than it does getting hit in the head so so far so good i've been really fortunate man i got out of the game after 14 years and you know as, as you said i certainly got hit plenty but uh um you know but but everything so far functions fairly well i was gonna ask well i guess it's a dumb question but i was gonna ask what the worst hit you ever took was and maybe the question is what's the second worst hitter you know the weird the weird thing the weird thing about the lewis thing obviously it's no joke i mean you were really seriously injured if you watch it you know it looks like a hell of a hit but you see hits like that a lot if that makes any sense so so i mean if you're watching a football game that stuff can happen all the time i guess it's just the speed and the angle and where the hit was right do you yeah, remember well, i mean do you remember and, yeah, it or no? yeah and what, and what and what happened was that i was you know it was you know, I mean, it was it was not a malicious hit by by him. I you know, I, I, you know, I don't think even in today's NFL, it, you know, probably not flagged or flagrant. Um, but what happened was I was running, I was running out of bounds, and um, you know, it was third down, and I knew that I was just a couple yards short of the third down marker, and I wasn't going to just run out of bounds short of, um, you know, short of the first down marker on third down, and so I turned back in, and when I turned back. Um, in toward the field, I just exposed my entire rib cage, um, you know, to this, you know, very big, fast football player. And, uh, um, you know, when you do that, because there are hits that, that, that happen in every game that, that probably have a similar level of violence, but, um, but in this instance, um, you know, it was a violent hit on a very exposed area rather than on, on, the, the, on my pads. Uh, and that's really what made that one, you know, uh, such a dangerous deal. Um, you know, but I, I get, you know, I get, I get whacked pretty good a few other times. I remember my rookie year after I came back off of my knee injury, I were playing the uh, playing the Bills and, and uh, started to uh, kind of run up the up the middle, scramble up the middle, and you know, was 
even slower with the knee brace on and and uh, uh, Phil Hansen hit me from the side and Marcus Patton hit me right in the face with the top of his of his helmet and he hit me hard enough that he bent my face mask op- wide open um, and uh, I think I took a quick little nap on the on the field for a second and then uh, and then got up but uh, and I remember being on the sidelines stomping on my helmet trying to get my face mask back in, in line um, but then uh, you know but then you know at that point you, you just you just go back and play you play um, you played in the next series after the the hit yeah. against the Jets you came back out do you have any memory sure. of that or no no, I remember coming back out, and then I remember, you know, the reason that I ended up out of the game was because I, I, I because I had a concussion, not because of uh, uh, we didn't know that, that the bleeding. Uh, that I had yeah. the, the, the the you know bleeding situation in my ribs, but I but I had a concussion also. And I remember being on the field, and I and we had a check with me play where I was either going to go right or go left, and I knew that we needed to go left, but I couldn't see, I couldn't come up with the word, and so I turned around to Mark Edwards and go, hey, hey, Mark, how do I go left? He goes, say odd. I'm like, all right, odd, odd. And uh, then between him and and uh, Dame and Hewer, they they ratted me out and, and uh, let the staff know that I wasn't thinking clearly. And I remember, so you came obviously you came back in the AFC Championship game against Pittsburgh, and in that very first series, you kind of took a hit similar to the hit in in the Jets game. You remember that the first? Yeah, it was. It was. It was similar, and and uh, but in the in that one, that one they did initially throw a flag, and then right. they picked, they it, picked up. it up. And that, yeah, that one that one should have been flagged because I was running out of bounds. Right, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't turn back in on that one, and uh, and that's that one. I left myself exposed because I just I was running out of bounds, and uh, they they yeah they threw a flag on the hit, and then they picked it up, which I didn't think they should have. What? At what point during that season did you realize? Well, okay, obviously this isn't going to be happening here for me anymore or did you, know, or, or did you um, have it yeah you know I, I while i was while i was recovering um you know i you know thought that uh kind of after after uh you know all the the uh the blood sweat and tears and all that that i'd put into the organization that there was going to be a, a you know a chance to you know to, to get back on the field when i got healthy um but then um you know when they when uh bill made the decision to to stick with tommy uh, after I was healthy, um, you know, obviously wasn't happy with that situation. Uh, but uh, um, you know, that's when I, I kind of knew that it was probably, probably not going to be a good long-term situation. Um, you know, would have welcomed the uh, the the, the uh, you know the uh, you know the chance to come in and compete for the job the next year in training camp. Um, but uh, you know, then. You know, really, when the uh, when the the uh, the Raiders game happened, and um, you know that call got overturned, and all of that, I was like, okay, that's kind of when I knew, like, okay, you know, there's this this thing, I guess, is just gonna happen, you know. <laughs> I think, and and you know, at that point, it, it feels like there's something larger at work than just you know playing football. It's gotta be a weird, you know. There's gotta be part of you. You're sitting, standing there in the snow in Foxborough against the Raiders, and I think you went out. For the overtime coin flip, I could be wrong. As one of the captains, yeah. there yeah. must be part of you that thinks this is—you know—you're happy for your teammates, you're happy for Brady. This is great, but there's got to be part of you. It's human nature that is like, Jesus, I can't believe this is happening. Well, yeah, I mean, it was—you know—I mean, I, you know, I've been pretty honest about it. That was a—you know—emotionally for me, that was a—that was a really tough season. Um, you know, really happy for for my teammates and for the organization, and tried to do everything that I could to to support Tommy and support. Uh, support the team but but you know on a personal level it was it was tough um and when you know when the uh when woodson comes in and, and hits tommy and it and it uh you know to everybody 
watching looked like it was a fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember kind of taking a knee and thinking, okay, uh, this is over. You know, I can, you know, this is this, this whole thing is over, and I can, you know, I can unwind a little bit and, and try to, you know, try to kind of, you know, um, just process everything that's happened. Uh, and then, uh, we know when they overturned the call, I was like, oh, okay, well, then, I, you know, this, this, this thing is, uh, um, something different happening here. And, uh, so I better embrace it. And I did. Did you, when you saw Brady, you know, you saw him for a year, that year before, and then you saw him that, that, that training camp a little bit at the start of the year. Did you ever think, forget, we didn't think he was going to be this. We know that. But did you ever think you were looking at the guy who was going to be a good starting quarterback in the NFL or you just didn't know? No, I thought I, I felt like what Tommy was going to be was a guy that was going to, uh, you know, be a, a really good backup quarterback uh, in the league, you know, for 12, 14, 15 years. You know, he was a guy that worked so hard. Uh, he was a smart guy, he was a good team guy. You know, all of those things that everybody knows so well. Um, you know, but you know, especially his rookie year, man, he was so he was just so skinny, just a little. You know, skinny little twerp, and just did, you know, did not. He didn't look like you know a guy that was going to be a big time starting quarterback. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, obviously in his mind, he had different plans, and and, and uh, has you know, we all know what he's gone on to become. Um, but you know, I, I just I felt like he was going to be around for a long time. I was certainly going to be cheering for him, um, but uh, you know, certainly had had no uh, concept that he was going to. You know, go on to be a starter, let alone one of the guys that's uh, that's you know at the very top of the game. What did what didn't you know about him then that that, that led him to do this? What didn't you see? Well, or could, you know, or I couldn't you see? I, you know, I I think the uh, the the thing that that uh, um, that happened for him, you know, first of all, it was you know it was right place, right time. You know, when 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 uh, you know when uh, we get midway through the season and and our, the rest of our offensive line gets healthy. Um, and um, you know, defense is playing well. Special teams is stepping up. You know, all of those things, all of those things are are, are happening. Um, you know, it was it was a really good situation for him at that point. You know, I remember that year. The biggest thing that happened that year, we, you know, we we I stepped into the huddle the first day of training camp, and I remember looking around, and going, "Oh man, you know, we got a shot. We got an offensive line here," and you know, you, you, know, you get. Woody and Compton and Light and you know all that it just it, it, they were, it looked like five blocks of granite, but in training camp everybody started get, the, the guys all started getting hurt, and I that starting five offensive line I don't think they all played together again until like week five or week six, and and, and that's really when things started to to click you know the the um, you know we lost the first two and then we won one and then we. Um, and then we you know, lost the fourth one, and so you know, one and three. Uh, but then all of a sudden, those guys all get get uh, get healthy, and they're back on the field. And that's when things started to change, uh, particularly on the offensive side. Was when was when that helped when that happened. And 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 um, um, and you know, so Tommy played. You know, he he played well that season. But uh, but the team really really rallied around. And there's a uh, there's a there's a thing that happens with a team you know if you're you know if your your quarterback goes, goes down and everybody feels like they've got to do a little bit more and I think in that season in particular um guys really stepped up and took you know and took that thing to heart because they knew they had this young guy that they had to support and then obviously Tom you know continued to just grind and work and and um and he's just he's he's put
put in the time and the effort, and that's the part of the reason that 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 uh, that this whole deflate thing, you know, pisses me off is because, uh, you know, I've, I know the kind of work that he's put in to become um, one of these guys. You know, he that didn't just happen. Um, he's he's a grinder. He works his butt off uh, to to get there, and 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 he's done that continuously. And that really, to me. Is the legacy of, of of what he's done with the Patriots has been his his work ethic, his leadership, and his you know relentless desire to 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 win um, far more than anything that he's done throwing the football has been his legacy. Was there ever you know even maybe even not during that year, but in a couple of years after that, was there ever sort of a frost in your relationship with Brady? Or did you guys always get along? Did you, have you gotten closer more no, as you retired we, or? We, yeah, no, we we uh, I mean we you know I always uh, there was always great mutual respect there between the two of us, but you know, guy guy takes your job, you know, you're not just gonna love that dude, you know, <laughs> right right away. Sure. You know, there was always great mutual respect and 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 all of that, but uh, but our, but we've 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 been we've been better friends I think since I retired, uh, you know, from the game, and and obviously I'm a big fan of Tommy and everything that he's done, um, but. Uh, um, but you know, we had a chance to hang out a little bit over the past, uh, I don't know, three or four years, and and um, um, and it's a it's a very good relationship. We 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 keep in touch, and he was really kind um, the last what two of the last three years. I had <clears throat> reached out to him, and we as I'm you know coaching this high school football team out here, and for a couple of big games, asked him if he'd send a video to uh, to the team to get him fired up for the game, and both times he did, and our guys just loved that, which. Uh, which was really cool, and and uh, you know he's just he's been he's been great, and 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 uh, we're good friends. Did you ever deal with? Uh, and it's a guy we have on our show all the time too. Did you ever deal with Schilling at all individually? You sold your house to Schilling, right? Yeah, so yeah, sold the house, sold the house to him, and and that's I think that's the only time we've ever uh, uh, ever. Well, there are two times that we talked. Once, once when uh, when we were selling the house, and then on the uh, the the video game, he he called and wanted to to pitch that thing to me and. Um, I decided not to not to participate, which obviously I'm I'm happy that I didn't um, didn't jump in on that one. Um, but uh, um, yeah, no, haven't haven't really spent a lot of time with Kurt. It seemed like you know that that team that lost to Green Bay in the Super Bowl, then Parcells left. It seemed like that was a didn't listen. A lot of those guys went on to win a couple more Super Bowls with the Patriots, but it seemed like that '96 team that went 11 and five and was loaded. It seemed like they were about to. You guys were about to sort of explode and go on on a run. What happened? Was was it Pete Carroll? Yeah, was there, it, was yeah, it there guys were, leaving there were, or? Two, there, no, there were two things that happened. Um, number one, that that next year, um, especially toward the end of the season, uh, we were plagued with injuries. We all of a sudden we get late in the season, and and that's not that's no that's no small thing. You know, that's and it, you know that 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 makes things really difficult. Um, you know, I, I forget the the entire list of guys that were hurt, but it was a lot um, as we got late in the season. But the biggest thing that happened that prevented that team from going on and being a, a, a you know a, a somewhat of a dynasty, and I remember saying that at the time because people, you know, people obviously would ask, "Hey, is this you know is this a one-time thing, or can you guys go on and and uh, and really make a run?" And I remember saying, well, it's going to depend on what we do with these draft picks because we got a bunch of draft picks when Parcells left and then Curtis left. Uh, we had a bunch of draft picks uh, in the first couple rounds for, I think, three years. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, all right, well, if we, if we use those wisely, uh, then we've got a chance because, you know, you, 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 when you, if you, 
if you draft it, it's even more important now than it was then. But if you draft well, then you have depth and you have uh, and you have replacement guys that can replace guys that, that get priced out of a, out of the market and so on. Um, and of those, I think there were like seven draft picks in the first two rounds. I think Robert Edwards was the only one that that ended up uh, uh, playing a, a significant role, uh, and then he got hurt. Um, so those draft picks really didn't pan out, and I think that that um, more than anything um, kept uh, that team from just rolling forward. Um, you know that's why when Pete went to uh, when he went to Seattle, he made sure that he had front office control so that that um, so that that, that you know he didn't allow that situation to repeat itself. So you never got the sense, and that was the perception around here while he was here, and I think it's because he followed Parcells, who was such a towering figure, that Carroll was in over his head. That wasn't the case? No. No, and I think if you, you talk to guys that, that, that played for him at the time, I think everybody um, you know, everybody liked playing for Pete, and and uh, uh, you know, and he was and he was a, a good coach then, um, but I think that the the, the uh, uh, you know the the personnel side of things, and the fact that we didn't didn't draft well enough to replace um, you know replace the guys that uh, you know that became high priced free agents. That that was more the story than anything else. Um, now there you know there there are nuances to 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 Pete, and obviously his personality when he was following Parcells. You, you know you're not going to follow that kind of personality, and and especially in Boston, you know it it, it, it didn't it didn't play well. Um, but uh, but I always felt like Pete was an outstanding football coach, and and he certainly has gone on to you know to prove that both at the college and, and pro level now. Did you get the sense uh, that those couple of weeks were you pissed off the way it ended? Did you feel like Parcells was not completely focused on that Super Bowl while he was you know kind of flirting with the Jets? You know the thing that was that was disappointing about that was that we really kind of we'd kind of come out of nowhere to uh, to make this run to the. Uh, to the Super Bowl, and we get there, and um, and the, the the story wasn't about you know none of the stories were about uh, you know this uh, um, great run that this this great and unlikely run that our team had made to get to the Super Bowl. It was just all about Bill and and um, you know his him leaving to go to the Jets and that whole deal. And that that part was that part was frustrating, um, you know, and uh, um, you know and just. You know to, you know to, and then to you know to build it to build a team that makes it to the Super Bowl and then immediately you know jump ship and to be talking with another organization while you're on your way to the Super Bowl. I I, I, re- that, I really didn't like that whole situation. Did you think so? You played in that Super Bowl. You lost to Green Bay. Did you think after coming off Brady Hurts' ankle, you play in the second half? You come in the second quarter, play well in the game, you win the game. That was actually I could be wrong. You might correct me. I think that's the last one week break in between the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl was that year, right? It was just a week in between the games. Did you think you were going to start that week for Brady against uh, you know, St. Louis? I, I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, obviously, I certainly, uh, certainly, you know, wanted to, and uh, um, and was 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 hopeful that that was going to be the case. And then I, I forget whether it was like Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that that uh, um, you know that Bill called me in and said that Tommy was going to start, which was. Um, you know, which wasn't very, wasn't wasn't very happy about it. You know, it was like one of those deals. Okay, well, he, he went through this whole thing, got got hurt, did the right thing, stood by the team, and and uh, and then you know get a chance to play play well, and then uh, and then you just go right back to the bench. It was that, that was just the whole thing was really it. 
it was an emotionally uh, taxing year, to say the least. But now it's been, you know, 15 years or whatever. Whenever you come back here, you got voted into the Hall of Fame, I think, by the largest percentage ever. You come back here now, and I know it ended bitterly, but it's like, you know, that for a fan perspective, I think most fans feel like they, they don't think about that part when they think you. They think of the eight or nine years before then. That's what happens, I guess, over time, right? Sure, and that's and that's and that's how I view it too. You know, I mean, I you know the the end of it was you know it was it was you know bitter bittersweet. Um, but man, we I loved the time that I got to spend out there, and and uh, and you know wouldn't trade that for the world. And um, and just uh, it feels so great to come back. And actually, when I come back now uh, to Boston, it's 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 a, it's kind of a really cool relationship with the fans where it's. Um, it's more like it's almost like everybody feels like we're buddies, you know, as opposed to, you know, this like you know big quarterback guy. If I'm walking down the street, you know, somebody's see me, hey Drew, what's up, man? How are you? Just hey, great. How are you? And it's a it's a very cool thing when I come back there because I just it's obviously very welcoming and and um, but it's uh, but it's it's less of a uh, you know less of a like a you know football star kind of relationship and more of a, just like you know people have a sense that. That uh, that we're just friends, which is uh, which is a very cool thing to uh, to be able to uh, to feel like. So, how long has this double back wine been going on for? What's the what's the history with this? Yeah, man, we've been we've been at this double back thing for quite a while now. We just we released recently released our seventh vintage. Um, it's going very very well for us, man. We've uh, um, my little my little hometown um, out here, this little small town of Walla Walla, um, has. Sort of producing some of what we really feel like, and I think the critics are, would agree with us. You know, some of the best wine grapes in the world are being grown in in, uh, in Walla Walla, and uh, and you know we're the beneficiary of that. So we're we've been having a ton of fun with it, and and uh, you know it's also it's given me uh, it's given me a good excuse to to uh, uh, come back to Boston a little bit. And uh, you know my wife and I, we I mean shoot, we were out there for nine years. We got there, we were. I was single, and she came out and moved in, and we ended up having three kids uh, while we were uh, while we were out there. The th- all three boys were born in, uh, at Newton Wellesley Hospital, so we grew up out there. So it's uh, um, it's really fun to have this wine deal be an excuse to come back and spend more time back there where we where we really grew up. And uh, as a matter of fact, as we're sitting here uh, talking today, and I don't know when this will run, but uh, today is our 20th wedding anniversary. So, oh, so, look at that! Congratulations! Kind of, kind of, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know, but it was. It's what better been, way? To, what wine, better way to spend it? Been, what's that? What better way to spend it than a podcast with me? I'm sure that's. that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's, no, the, the wine okay. business is going really, really well, and we're we're enjoying it, and uh, it gives us an excuse to go travel and call it work, and and it's been uh, really nice as an excuse to get back to Boston. A bit. It's it's an insane business. I was looking at before we had John. I was reading some stuff. It's it's uh, different reports. It's a forty billion. Not your business, obviously, but the wine business in the U.S. is forty billion dollars a year. Yeah, yeah, there's, and and, uh, and and growing, right? Um, you know, there there a lot of uh, the younger generation they're getting into and and uh, and learning about wine and and seeking out different stuff. But it's uh, because it's such a big business, it is highly competitive. Um, and in, in order to be successful at it, um, you know, you've got to do everything right. You know, you can't just uh, you can't just get uh, the wine in the bottle right. You, you know, that that's not enough. You know, you've got to have a story. You got to get out and and um, uh, and work the market and and uh, talk to people and it's in at our at our end of the spectrum it's a very personal 
business. You know, for, if you want people to buy wine from you, not just once, but year over year, you know, I've got to go see the, got to go see people and talk to them and tell them the story and, and all of that. And I, and I, you know, I enjoy that part of it. It means it means quite a bit of travel, but uh, but I enjoy that. Part but is it legit for you? I mean, is it legit like? full-time job or are you just sort of the guy who runs it and you're famous and you show up and shake some hands and everyone's like oh it's Drew Bledsoe oh, I mean because if, if I'm yeah. you right so if I make you know X amount of money whatever tens of millions of dollars my natural reaction would just be to say screw it I'm going to play golf I'm going to hang out with the kids I'm not going to push myself I'm going to enjoy retirement but at the same time I mean we're virtually the same age what do you do if you retire when you're 35 or 36 years old I guess right you got to do something yeah, well, that's the that's the problem, right? You know, you're 35 years old. You know, you can, all you do is get in trouble if you just retire and hang out. Um, you know, but for me, the 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 uh, the intriguing part of this business has been to take on the challenge of growing something from literally from the ground up and seeing if I can make a successful business. I mean, it'd be, it'd be you know, very easy to just take a bunch of money and, you know, throw a bunch of money at a winery and, and uh, you know, end up with your name on a bottle and, and, and do that. But um, that part, um, you know, it's really, that'd be the easy way to do it. But I took it on. I wanted to see if I could build a really successful and thriving business um, as well. And that's a much different kind of challenge. You know, you're, um, then you're, you know, you're actually watching your bottom line. You're actually taking your marketing seriously and you're, um, you know, trying to build the, the structure around your company uh, properly so that you can function and uh, and all of those things and and um, you know <laughs> having to register as a lobbyist and go go work in Boston right. to get shipping legalized and so that that part of it it's 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 not it's not uh, you know it's it's more of the challenge of can I take on something new can I you know can I start something um, that's not entirely reliant on my right arm and build that from the ground up and that's been the 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 challenge and that's the part that gets me out of bed and gets me going in the morning and and uh, and we're and we're getting there you know we've, we've we're actually a profitable business that's uh uh that's doing well and and uh, uh you know want to continue to grow that and, and do it responsibly but it's been it's been a it's been a good challenge it's been a lot of fun how many takes was it for Jerry Maguire? How many takes was it for you? <laughs> Jerry Maguire? Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I nailed that first take. You I did? Really? One and done? I'm a, I'm a great actor. <laughs> uh, I, was, uh, we, I came back from that after we, the, the movie was released. I remember Bruce Armstrong telling me, he goes, yeah, I watched the movie. He goes, but, you know, I just didn't buy it, man. I, I, you as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Not authentic? That's a stretch. Not authentic at all. Were you with, I don't even remember, were you with Cruz or were you talking, did you actually, you were on the phone with him or something? No, my my part. I was on the phone with him. Um, we, we we weren't uh, right, right. We weren't we weren't acting together. I think he was he was he was afraid that I would steal the scene from him and, yeah, and, uh, and tarnish his name. You well, know. you know the uh, you know the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game, right? Oh, of course, yeah. So you you yeah. can you tie yourself in to Kevin Bacon? I can do it for well, you. Yeah, if you that's want. only that's only one degree. Yeah, it's it's like me and uh, me and Tom Cruise and then uh, a few good men. Tom Cruise and Tom Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon in um, um, what was the, in what was the uh, the, a few, the military? Yeah, a few uh, good men. A few good men. Yeah. So there you yeah, go. See, so only, it's only one degree. That was that was your only that's your only acting credit in IMDb. Nothing else. You weren't ever ever offered. You, you know, were something about Mary, I, I, right? I got, I, I got I got offered this something about Mary um, deal. Why didn't you do it, brothers? Um, uh, you know, they wanted me to give up part of my summer, and 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 when we when we would there was there, when you 
your summer is so short. Yeah. Um, I just didn't. I just didn't want to go travel to, to Florida to go shoot it, and, and um, yeah, so just just didn't go. In retrospect, certainly should have. But I think it was. I think it was. I think Brett was actually the third choice for that one, um, which I know he he probably hates to hear. But it was. I think it was me and Steve Young were the first two. You know, the Fairley brothers, being Boston guys, wanted wanted. Uh, wanted me in there, and then uh, Cameron Diaz was a 49ers fan, so she wanted Steve Young, um, and then uh, Steve Steve couldn't do it, uh, and so so Favre was actually was actually the third choice for that movie, which um, I don't know that he loves to hear that. Well, there you go. Well, Drew, I appreciate it, and uh, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, man, absolutely, it's been fun. All right, thanks a lot, Drew. Thanks for listening to Enough About Me with Kirk Minahan. If you want more great podcasts, it's pretty easy. You go and go to the WEI mobile app. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to iTunes. You can look up Enough About Me with Kirk Minahan. You can find the ones with Sean McDonough, Bob Ryan, Dan Shaughnessy, David Portnoy. There'll be more. And what you can do when you like them, you write a review. That'll help us out a lot. You give us a rating. We can help you. You can help us. Get that done. Do it right now. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.